Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Mitch Michaels. We're into 2023. Australian Open is just days away now. And uh, joining me now for uh, the third time on this show, Greg Ruzetsky coming in, former number four in the world. You know all the accolades. Uh, I've said them a bunch of times on this show. U.S. Open finalist, Grand Slam Cup champion, tennis commentator at this point. Greg, thanks for joining the show. Uh, the tennis world doesn't stop, and this is... Maybe my favorite time of the year with the Aussie around the corner and uh, the draw just out. Thanks again for coming on the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Exciting time of year. We're always looking forward to the new start of a season on top that we have a few lead up events coming in as well. And Australia really shows us where the form is. And Novak Djokovic is there this year. It's great to I see know. him back. It's it's so good to see him back. And I want to get to him in just a second. But one of the underrated parts about the slam, and you can speak to this or any slam, is we got the qualifiers punching their tickets. And I know it didn't happen much for you. I, I did the research. I think Wimbledon in 93 was the only time you had to actually go through that process. But you know what it's like to actually qualify and get that spot and the first spot for a lot of these players. What does that feel like to you know have to go through the rigors to earn it the hard way and, and actually get to a main draw? Well, it means you belong because you've earned your card there. You earned your ticket. You're a great player because the depth of men's and ladies tennis has gotten bigger year in, year out. And also financially for these guys, it's huge. I think first round prize money is $106,000. I think my day, $5,000 was considered a lot. So that, that only helps you set up your season with your coaching team, your physical trainer, all these things. But it also makes you feel like, hey, I can do this again. I belong and qualies is tough as nails. I remember my first one, I played qualies at Wimbledon in 92. I lost in five sets oh. in the last round of qualifying to a guy by the name of Jonathan Stark. And I was the seventh alternate six got in. I didn't get oh. in. It was painful. And then the qualify for the first time in 93 was special lost to Adberg in four tight sets, only got broken once. He was the defending champion. So it, it's fond memories for you that, and it, it just gives you the confidence, especially even if you get a tough draw and lose, you say, hey, I earned this. I belong here. I should be in every slam. Yeah, and that's a great point about the alternate thing is that even if you lose, you're still holding out some hope. There might be some opportunities there. Uh, but props again to all the men and women that have qualified for the Australian Open. Uh, one person that doesn't need to qualify, Novak Djokovic, he's back down under, as you said. He wins Adelaide last week. Great crowd reaction. The, the fan support is there. Uh, he does it going through some quality opponents. Medvedev in the semis, followed by a tight three-set set match with Sebastian Korda. That was Djokovic's 92nd title, tied with Rafael Nadal, and just so solid again, Greg, in these big moments, big points, and tie breaks. He just, he just gives you nothing in tie breaks, and that's the resounding fact that Djokovic is once again locked in for another attempt at an Australian Open title. 
Well, he's my heavy favorite to win the title. I'd say number 10 is on its way. The only worry is that hamstring. We saw it with Medvedev. Mm -hmm. Then we saw it a little bit with Sebastian Corda. But I have to give the American credit. Mm -hmm. Boy, has he improved a lot. Yes, she had beaten Rafa last year in Indian Wells, where he got tight, had a few match points, and then this time had a match point. But you're playing against the best player on the planet right now. And Djokovic won that match. It wasn't Mm -hmm. Corda who lost that. And if you can push... The guy who everybody thinks is going to win the Australian that tight, that well, it just shows your future is bright. Yeah. I see him as a top 10 player. No question about yeah. it. That's how good court is. And then we'll see where he goes from there. There becomes being healthy, becomes having the right mindset. It's believing you belong with the best. And he's got a great environment, great team behind him. A dad who won a major in Australia as well, who's been number two in the world, and also a mom who was a former professional tennis player as well. So he's got all the ingredients to be a real superstar. Pushed by those athletes, his sisters, those pro golfers too. I'm sure there's competitive he, there. He's the weak link in the family. I mean, can you imagine that? <laughs> yeah. You're 29 seed at the Australian Open, and your, your sisters, one's been number one in the world, won a major, been top five, the other yeah. sister. You're yeah. basically grappling. If he doesn't get into top five, he won't be considered one of the, the, the better siblings. I love that quote too. He said, uh, I'm a six handicap. I'm the worst golfer in my family, which is uh, pretty competitive <laughs> stuff there. No, I, I agree. I mean, he was so solid on both sides. Uh, he hits the ball so clean. That was some clean ball striking for sure. And didn't, I, I agree, didn't choke in this match. I mean, big points, Djokovic plays so solid. And, you know, Cordes said he's he's got levels to go. I, I think that he is going to be a top 10 player. My, my last question for you on him is, does that happen this year? Is he primed for that great start to uh, a season that keeps going? Because last year he had... COVID, struggled out of the gates, didn't really find his footing. Is this the year he puts it all together? I think it could be the year, no question about it. I don't see him being lower than 15 in the world. If he does everything right, no question, he's going to be top 10 in the world. He's that good. And I look at his game, and his A game is as good as the very best. It's the defensive capabilities with him that he needs to continually improve. Because when he's on the front foot and hitting as flat as he does, There's nobody who strikes it quite as well from both sides. But when he's pushed in the corners, your defensive capabilities have to be that much better when your A game isn't working. That's what Djokovic, Murray, Nadal, and Federer do so much better than anybody throughout the history of our sport. And if he can add that dimension in and keep on improving that side as he's worked on, I'm sure he'll make that top 10 this year if that area keeps on improving. So look into the man that beat him in this final, Novak Djokovic. He's going for his 10th, and and he's the prohibitive favorite in your mind and everybody else's minds, it seems. He's basically minus odds to win this thing against the field. You look at what he's capable of, and you also look at the chip on his shoulder. He's doing all the right things. He's relying on positivity, but you know this is an extremely motivated individual, and there is no such thing as a lock in tennis, but you do feel pretty good, especially now looking at the draw, it doesn't, and respect to all the players, doesn't seem particularly challenging for him compared to draws in the past. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think the draws worked out pretty well for him. The question mark I have is the hamstring. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he had a practice session this week with Daniil Medvedev. He pulled out of it after a set. He was supposed to play two sets. Mm-hmm. Then he's got his match on Friday with Nick Curios. So if he comes through that one and there's no problems, there's no niggles, then he becomes the huge favorite to win the title. Yes, the draw has worked out really well from because the top half where Rafa is looks a lot stronger let's be honest but there's an American guy there by the name of Taylor Fritz on the bottom who 
last year was sensational. He is impressed me as the most improved player on the tour. If you take Carlos Alcaraz, the world number one out of the equation, yeah. for me, he is the most improved beside Carlos, what he's accomplished. But you'd have to say Novak, looking at the way the draws worked out. Is there anybody there who you think, well, can he really lose to those guys? That's that's the question, Mark. And, and you kind of think to yourself, okay, there's Fritz on the bottom. There's Rude Berrettini. Rune's the wild card with Curios that could give him a threat. But you got to feel like yep. Djokovic, no, no, no. I got to make amends for what happened to me last year because he's been talking a lot this year about, hey, there were two or three other players who were allowed in. Then I show up and I'm the one who's thrown out Yeah, you know, because yeah. he's the biggest name. And so he's had to go through these things, which no other tennis player in our sport has had to deal with. And usually, as you say, when he's got that chip on his shoulder, something to prove, he usually comes out and succeeds. I mean, isn't it just remarkable that he's even in the top five, given that he wasn't allowed to play most or more than half of these events? So it is scary to think just how well he's done and the fact that he can get a full slate. He's looking like he's also, you know, he's always taken the offseason seriously, but he's gotten a little, he's added a little more muscle to his frame. And again, the health is the big thing. But yeah, I mean, this is based on what he did last year with all the stops and starts, which is kind of an underrated facet. This could be shaping up for the, I don't want to call it revenge tour, but just a redemption tour, so to speak. <laughs> well, I think he likes history. I think yeah. he wants to get the 25 slams. So mm -hmm. he's the best in the men's or or in the women's game yeah. as well. Because obviously Serena 23, Margaret Court 24, and all these sorts of stories. But also, let's not forget, he's got a new physio on his team. So he's going to be under a lot of pressure to make sure he <laughs> yeah. stays healthy yeah. as well because uh, his former physio did a fantastic job with him especially through injuries and getting him through the year so that's a little bit of pressure for a new team member on Djokovic yeah and the other thing is I remember being in Turin I was lucky enough to be at the ATP finals there live and I saw Goran Ivanisevic his coach before that final match and we're having a little talk as you know we used to play on tour together and he says to me if you look at the points and he got his Wimbledon points he'd be joint number one at the end of the season yeah so you know the reality is, is as he said himself, Carlos Alcaraz deserves to be world number one. But let's be honest, all the players think in the locker room, the number one man is Novak Djokovic still, even though Carlos isn't there this year. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that that's the players know, and that's a pretty uh, resounding yes that Djokovic is still the best player in the world. Turning our attention to the man who won the tournament last year, Rafael Nadal, coming in uh, struggling, and, and that's saying something given how Rafa has always kind of rounded into form at big events and taking it with such a positive approach, Greg. He's lost five of his last six matches dating to last year. Some good players in those losses, but you look at the events, you look at the draw that he has, Jack Draper, the British upstart in the first round. What are some fair expectations for Rafa? And as an analyst now, what are you looking for in the first couple of matches that are some good signs that he's a contender to win this tournament again? Well, obviously, uh, being a Brit, we're hoping Jack Draper <laughs> yeah. stops him in the opening round. Um, I mean, he's played well, Jack. I mean, he's playing well this week in Auckland, yeah. uh, playing some great tennis. I think for us, everything went backwards for Rafa when he played that quarterfinal match against Taylor Fritz, where he had the stomach muscle tear, and he, he refused to give up. Mm -hmm. He hasn't really been the same player since there, if you look at the form, the results. Mm -hmm. Let's see where the serve is. And he, the guy who needs a lot of reps and his lead up to this, he lost to also Cam Nori. He lost to in the United cup as well. Um, so I'm kind of questioning where he's at. If he gets through his opening round, I think he's got two or three matches. He can get his form into. So by the time he hits the fourth round, 
I feel that's where we're going to know where he's at. Cause that's going to be his first, I think, huge test, you know, because it's most likely going to be either Hatchinoff or the American Francis Tiafa, who's brilliant at the U S open. And, you know, we saw that matchup at the U S open yeah. and how brilliant that was. So I think from fourth round onwards, if Rafa gets there, mm-hmm. that'll be where we'll say, Hey, he's got some form. Let's see where he's really at. Yeah, in a weird way, it might be a better thing for him to just hit, have to hit the ground running with a quality player like Jack Draper. I, I'm with you on the serve. The torn stomach muscle, the, the issue that he had last year, if it's not fully healed, it's going to be a problem because you know he is very repetition-based. He's very timing-based, and it's not just the serve. It's everything else that it affects, too. I, I think Rafa is like that engine that needs time to rev up and needs a lot of high-quality opportunities. And, you know, he said it in the quote last week, he needs these battles. He hasn't been able to have them. So I'll never count this man out based on his singular will and focus, which is arguably the greatest in tennis history. But this is a tough task, as you said, because I like Jack Draper as well. I know the British people are high on him, but there's a lot to like about his lefty game. And it might be my favorite round one match, if we're being honest. Yeah, that's one of the picks. I usually like to go through what I'm looking at, and that was one of my picks. And also there's Rublev Dominic team. Mm, Remember, the yeah. former U.S. Open champion. That's an exciting one. And then we got another Brit there by the name of Murray Berrettini in the <laughs> opening round. So those three matchups for the openers, are, from my point of view, are the most exciting in the men's draw. But if you're talking about Nadal, there's so many question marks. And let's not forget Draper, his first slam match was against Novak Djokovic. He took a set off and he pushed him in four when Novak went on to win the title. Mm-hmm. So this could be very, very intriguing because, you know, having spoken to Rafa's ex-coach, Francisco Roig, as well at the end of the season, he was saying about Draper, I think that kid's going to be a top tenor. He's going to be a big threat. So there'll be a lot of respect there. Yeah. There'll be a lot of homework done. And Rafa is going to have to hit the, the ground running because, as you know, you can – Still be in a slam, but lose a slam in the first week if you don't perform as well as you can because you expand too much energy. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Talking Australian Open with Greg Ruzetsky here on Tennis Channel Insight and a lot of other exciting matches on the men's side and a lot of players to look at. Focus is going to be on Nick Kyrgios in any event that he is in. This is a an interesting draw. We haven't seen Nick this year. He's pulled out of the tournaments that he was entered in, trying to get healthy, has an exo coming up with Novak Djokovic in, in a day. His draw is interesting. Uh, obviously, there's the, the worry that he's not going to get up for the matches that aren't big. I'm interested to see if he can get to the Novak Djokovic quarterfinal, but Ogaruna in, in the round before could be exciting. And I'm just curious, Greg, to see how he looks against players that are now younger than him coming up, what kind of motivation he has for that. But where are we with Nick Kyrgios, your expectations going into the home slam, the year he had last year, and uh, just obviously the big question is where his psyche's at. <laughs> well, that's the big question. He usually gets up for two tournaments of the year. The most important ones are usually the Australian Open and Wimbledon. Wimbledon was great getting to the finals. Didn't get any points for that, so that mm-hmm. kind of hurt his ranking. And Nick is such a talented guy. He's probably the most talented player I can remember since Roger Federer probably mm-hmm. has, you know, had that yeah. amazing career when he came on tour. And 
I think if Nick is motivated mentally there and physically in good enough shape, I see him getting that match with Rune, but Rune, I love his attitude. There will be a war of words between those two before that <laughs> yeah. match happens. Yeah. It's not going to be a love fest. No. And that's what I like about Rune because he says what he feels. Do we always agree with him? Do we always agree with Nick Kyrgios? No. But is it entertaining? Yes. And yeah. it's good for sport. You need all sorts of personalities. It's like a box of chocolates. The more interest you have in there, the better off it is. So, uh, yeah, it's like looking in a mirror, I would imagine, for Kyrgios. Like, this is me coming up five years ago. Uh Plus, but yeah, I, I think I think the mental side is obviously the most important question. I actually do think the physical side is becoming underrated because he got himself in pretty good shape last year as part of the reason why he was able to have success, not just at Wimbledon, but other events. I want to see what it's like in his first real match. And I know he can play himself into form and, and that's great, but it's, you know, more than anyone, it's so grueling to go into these five set matches. And if you have to go Holger Rune to get to Djokovic and then see what happens there. I mean, Hugo Umber, who's played him in tight matches and in, in big Grand Slam events too. That's the part where I think with Kyrgios, you you want to you cautiously worry about the health and the form. And I do think that it's unfortunate he hasn't gotten the reps in before the main draw matches. Yeah, but he's a little bit similar to Federer. Federer would play 12 tournaments a year. Yeah. He'd win seven of them, five of them Emmys or quarters. And you kind of feel, yes, Nick hasn't got the reps in you'd like, mm -hmm. but if he's mentally and physically ready, I, I think he'll be good to go. And, yeah. you know, he's got his thing out on Netflix, which is coming yeah. out tomorrow. He's, he's the lead man coming into that program, as he's announced to all of us, you know, in the media the last few yeah. weeks. So I, I think he likes when there's pressure, there's expectation and spotlight yeah. on him. I think he enjoys that. I think he's got something to prove because I think he wants to do it as well for the home fans as right. well. So do you think that's a good way to kind of button it up? Do you think it's good that he's, do you think this will be a good bump that he's a, a TV star now? Or do you think maybe that could go the other way? No, I think he enjoys it. Some okay. people revel in that. They yeah. love attention. Some people shrink and become uh, yeah. not as good and they can't handle the pressure. The more you talk about it, he actually likes that mm -hmm. sort of controversy. And there's yeah. very few athletes that manage it as well as he does. So if the serve is firing, it doesn't matter who he's playing. For me, right now, he is the best server on the planet, first and second serve. I mean, yeah. look at the scalps he's had, and that Wimbledon run could be a defining moment. Mm -hmm. And we need people like him in our sport yeah. who are a little bit outliers. Last summer, this podcast got in a little hot water with uh, a guest saying Kyrgios had a top 10 serve of all time. And I wonder what you think about that, given where your serve was historically. Is it fair to say he's at least in that discussion? Oh, definitely. No yeah. question about it. You can't serve Djokovic off the court and Nadal off the court yeah. Two of the all-time greats yeah. with the most slams in the men's game. You know, you can talk about who's the greatest. That's another topic. But you don't do that on multiple yeah. occasions to, to those two guys because you take Nick's serve away from him yeah. or you take anybody's serve away on one of the greats and you're not the same player. And yeah. That's how he's based his whole game throughout the year. So I would rate him in the top 10 servers of all time already. I think it's certainly fair. Uh, and, and somebody that's had a great year, maybe the best year outside of Nadal last year or Alcaraz in the discussion was Casper Ruud uh, making two major finals and has a chance to get to number one if he if he wins the title this year. I know the, the momentum has been strong coming into this year, and he isn't a player that plays with the margins and plays with, I guess, the hot shots, if you will, as some of these other players. But Casper Ruud going into this year, following up a career year, and, and you can kind of talk about this from experience, Greg, after your 1997, 
you're kind of not a dark horse anymore. You're in the spotlight. People know who you are. Do you think Rude will kind of have those expectations weigh on him a little bit going into a chance to follow up his first hardcore final? Um, I think he'll manage it. I mean, mentally, the guy is so tough. He's a maximizer. No matter what this guy does for the rest of the career, he can look back and say, I've given 110%. Mm-hmm. Rafael Nadal is his role model. His dad, Christian, is his coach, who was a very good top 50 player as well. He's got a great team, a great mindset. And for me, the most impressive part is he got to the Roland Garros finals, lost to Rafa, got crunched, came back in the two slams later at the U.S. Open on the hard courts, Mm. took a set off Alcaraz, nearly had a chance there to get to number one, didn't do it. But he's made two slam finals last year. So he deserves to be the second seed at the tournament. I expect him to go deep. Yes, the buildup's not great, but Casper finds a way, and that U.S. Open run really shows me that he's got the capability. Don't discount him. He's a maximizer. Turin as well. Yeah, Brilliant performance there as well, considering he says, I don't like altitude and I don't like the indoor courts. But look what he does back-to-back years there. Plays great. He gets the most out of his game, which I appreciate on an athletic level, just any sport, people that maximize, that keep pushing the boundary. And to your point, he's always bringing his baseline game. Like he's never an easy out at any, it's going to make you work is what I'm trying to say. So yeah, yeah. I agree. It's, no, it, it, uh, it's not the best or prettiest to go. I mean, it's yeah. some people don't like his yeah. style, but yeah. you got to respect him, uh-huh. his mindset, everything he does out there. He's not going to bring the audience like a Nick Curios is yeah. or a Rune, but you've got to say, wow, you're, you're really maximizing everything in your game. And it'll be interesting because he's got Berrettini in his section, mm-hmm. who we haven't talked about. And, and Berrettini played very well in, in the team competition and he's starting to get his mojo back. And he was a little bit disappointed yeah. losing to Casper there in New York when he felt like he had a shot, but he didn't have enough reps. Mm-hmm. Now he's got the reps. Yeah. Berrettini, to me, is, is is one to watch out for. It's getting healthy. It's a good thing to see. Uh, Berrettini certainly a, a factor in this tournament. Going into the draw, and I think post-draw, Daniil Medvedev was the second favorite odds-wise. Do you agree with that? Do you think he could find his hardcore magic or... You having your doubts with uh, the Russian? <laughs> well, you, you got to look at his section of the yeah. draw. You know, that's what I, I'm looking at his section, and I'm not really liking it to be quite yeah. honest with you. You got Raf up there, you got Corder in the third round, you got her catcher Shapovalov, you got Tiafo and Rafa. Mm. I mean, that is a brutal section. If he gets through that, I think he goes to the finals. But that's a big, big yeah. question mark. Just. We're seeing a few more double faults. The forehand isn't firing quite as much as it has been before. And he's going to have to do it the hard way. Yeah. If he can find a way through that quarter, I think if he gets in semis in the finals for sure. But that is a brutal, brutal section. Yeah, it's just so strange. I mean, and on one hand, he doesn't have Djokovic on his side, which is a, a blessing. But yeah, it's it's a lot, of, a lot of tough foes, a lot of tough opponents. I do feel like there's been maybe a little bit of an adjustment with how the field, how the top players have played him. And I think that may be something we'll see. I mean, that's the beauty of sport, right? It's like fighting. It's like boxing. How do you adjust to the adjustments made against you? Um, I would say, though, that I don't have a problem with his odds given Rafa's form and given the fact that Djokovic is such a clear favorite. You need to have somebody else that we're kind of looking at, even if it's not, you know, on Djokovic's sphere. I kind of feel just a little bit different because I look at the mm-hmm. Americans in that section. We had a nice little chat about Cord in the beginning. Yeah. For me, Taylor I think Cord could possibly uh, yeah. upset him in that little section if they yeah. meet in the third round. And then you got Tiafo as well, who's at the top. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of feel like 
he's kind of in that midsection, even though he's not in that midsection right now. Yeah. And it's kind of like you want the Francis Tiafos, you want the Seb Quarters, you want those guys, the Denis Shapovalovs, yeah. to step up and say, hey, enough's enough. And the play with Medvedev is to serve and volley a few balls as well, too, because mm -hmm. he's so far back behind the baseline. The second serve has been at times a little bit not as consistent on the big moments. Yeah. You know, we've seen some faults on break points, which you'd never say that a year ago with Daniil Medvedev until last year's match at the Australian Open where he could have won his second slam. I mean, that's scar tissue. I, I don't care who you are. Yeah. I've got a lot of scar tissue <laughs> at my age, nearly 50. Yeah. And that was in the later stages of my career, my 20s yeah. and then early 30s. So he's got to get over that scar tissue. So this could be a big chance for him. Yeah. Yes, on paper, he should be the second favorite, but I don't like his draw. Rafa in the Aussie Open final, and then Acapulco, people forget the next month, really implemented that serve and volley that then Kyrgios, and it was, yeah, I mean, you're right, it's scar tissue, but you're getting my hopes up with these Americans. Can we finally get a slam winner now? I mean, it's been 20 years. Well, we are Rodden on tennis tail, so we do have to make sure we get those Americans up as well. <laughs> hey, Taylor Fritz could be the guy. I mean, I, there, there's an opportunity. His year w was great last year. I like this section. Uh, as one of these young players, and in and, and the non-American sense, I'd throw Felix Auger-Aliassime in there. These are guys that are starting to push and starting to make their mark, like Alcaraz's meteoric rise notwithstanding. The young players are finally getting to the cusp of greatness, and it could be Fritz, it could be Felix. I mean, there's there's a lot of contenders in that next generation now, it seems. Well, it is, but I, I put Fritz ahead of Ogier Aliassime at the moment. Mm -hmm. I've just been so impressed with the young American because I had my doubts about him a year ago. Then winning in Indian Wells when he was injured against Rafa was huge. The way he ended the season, the way he's competing, the way he's getting better, the team around him. Paul Anacone doesn't go hang out with anybody if they're not Federer, Sampras, or Henman. No. So he obviously <laughs> sees huge potential yeah. in Fritz. He saw something yeah. very, very special there, very, very driven. And his mindset, under pressure, he plays better. And that is a huge sign of a champion. Tiafo with Wayne Ferrer, they've done a great job. That U.S. Open run was by far his best. Can he consolidate at this slam? You know, he's got to get to that fourth round matchup with Rafa and then anything mm -hmm. can happen. We saw him beat him at the U.S. Open. Why not again? Mm -hmm. Seb Korda, you know, credentials starting year, match point against Djokovic. We'd be yeah. seeing if he won that match, we'd be saying, hey, watch out for him. Mm -hmm. So American tennis in the men's right now is looking very good. I'm trying to get Paul Anacone to hang out, but yeah, he's just a A-list guy. So no, he, he's he's the best, and I and I agree. I think it's going to be a fun. It's fun to see. There's something very impressive about Fritz. You know, set back at the U.S. Open, loses the Brandon Holt, and then just goes back to work. Just just writes it off, doesn't let it hold him down. It was it was great to see. Uh, as we wrap up the men's side, uh, anybody else that you like or we should take stock in, whether that's Sitsipas, Sinner, Rublev, other names we haven't mentioned, or. Are we good I, with I think the, the interesting one is, I think, Sinner because of Darren Cahill connection. You know, he brought Darren Cahill in to win a slam. And we all know Darren's record. Yeah. A phenomenal coach. One of the best in the business. He only goes with players he thinks can win slams or get to number one. Mm -hmm. Yes, he hasn't had the greatest to start, but this is a major now. And at the Open, you know, let's not forget, he was a point away from knocking at Alcaraz. We've been talking about Alcaraz being world number one right now. Yeah. So for me, Sinner, you can never discount. You know, you look at Cam Norrie, I know he's maybe a guy we don't talk about that much, got to the semis of the U.S. Open, beat Rafa leading up to this as well. He's got Chorich on a section, Ogeraliusim. So I would say if I had to pick one guy, mm -hmm. I'd say watch out for Yannick Sinner because we're not talking about him. 
Can't wait to see what happens. I know he's 7-6 and six in his last 13 since that U.S. Open, but Cahill's on the team, sits a pass in the fourth round. If he gets through that, the momentum builds up. I worry about the health sometimes, but... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Men's, men's side's looking great. There's a lot to discuss, and we will do that here on Tennis Channel Inside In with Greg Ruzetsky. Uh The women's side, I want to turn our attention to as well. Just a quick note as well. We're not going to see Naomi Osaka announce that she's pregnant, so she's going to be outside of the game for, for a little bit, wants to play in 2024. Uh, good life update, and, uh, you know, I just I, I hope that – I know a lot of people have talked about her and, and had takes on her. I just hope she's happy in what she does. And if she does come back to tennis, which selfishly I'd like to, we'd all like to see – I hope the commitment's there, and I hope she is all in because when, when she's dedicated herself to the game, she's been, on hardcore at least, the absolute very best. I would agree with you, and uh, you know, many congratulations to her partner and herself for mm-hmm. having their first child, which is coming up in a, in a few months this mm-hmm. year, which is great. And I, I kind of feel like it could actually make her career. Look what happened to Kim Kleisters, who came back after having children. Yeah. You know, won a few slams. Maybe she'll get the motivation up there. If we look at Novak Djokovic, one of his greatest things is is winning tournaments with his kids in the crowd. Yeah, and then yeah. watching the matches. Yeah. So maybe for Naomi, this will give her that incentive to want to get back with the yeah. determination she showed us when she got to number one and won four majors. You took the words out of my mouth because I think in in a way it it focuses you. It basically makes you commit or commit one way or the other like you are going to play tennis with a kid that is such a a time-consuming thing you have to devote all your attention if you decide to come back so I I completely agree and I think having her in the game we're always talking about it in women's tennis contenders Iga's year was great but who's going to be that next person up as we get into this tournament and and beyond well exactly and I think for Osaka I think it'll be a big plus I think you know it'll take the pressure off for tennis because we've known about the mental health issues, all those things she's talked about. You know, when you get home, when you have a child, they don't care if you're a tennis player. They just want their mom or their yeah. dad there yeah. with them. And I think that'll give her a different perspective about life, which will be a very, very positive thing. And, um, you know, I, I just wish her all the best and hope to see her soon. But Shantek, we're thinking to ourselves, who's going to be her rival this year? Because yeah. she won the U.S. Open not playing her best tennis. She won the French Open again this year as well. Yeah. And she's the favorite to win here, but you could probably list 12 players who you think could win this title, but Iga is the standout one right now. And the problem is, is last year we had a certain lady by the name of Ash Barty who announced her retirement after winning this title. Mm-hmm. So that would have been the rivalry that we we're hoping was going to be in the women's game. But, uh, you know, at the moment for me, the player that impressed me the most and improved the most, if you take Shiontek out of the, the equation with two slams, Garcia, mm-hmm. she, Caroline Garcia had her year where she finally broke through, showed us the sort of tennis we were expecting five years ago, yeah. and we're playing that aggressive, consistent tennis. I look at this as, and I don't want to ever put it in a Djokovic class, but you look at it, is it Iga's tournament to lose, which is funny to say because she's never won the Australian Open, but you want to know who the contenders are, and I know Garcia is, is on the short list. Jesse Pagula, what she did, I know it was the United Cup last week, but 
that victory over Iga was good for her mental state because she's played her tough so many times but hadn't beaten her in recent memory. Pagula and Garcia are the two players, and I would kind of group them together. Pagula has been a slow, steady rise to get to this level. Garcia shot out of a cannon and put it all together, got healthy, and was great. So I think that would be my tier one of contenders. Anj Jabor, yeah. maybe Coco Golf in that next group down. Soccer, if she can put it together. But, yeah, outside of Iga, I think we got to go Garcia and Pagula as your tier one contenders. Yeah, but the other thing as well is you got to look at the way the draws worked out because if you look at Shiontek's got Goff in her section, she's got yeah. Colin, she's got Ostapenka. Then yeah. if you look at Pagula, you got Anisimova in there, you got Kvitova, Kizi, Zachary. Yeah. So you know that's a rough top half of the section yeah. right there. Yeah. And I was going through the draws on both sides, and I'm like looking to myself, okay, which which side would I rather be on the top or the bottom? I think. The bottom is intriguing because you got Jabir you're talking about, yeah. Garcia, Zabalenka, who we're not talking about as well, who's been playing well, and Benchich, who just got That's together with Tirsanov. Yeah, Benchich is a good one. The Tirsanov connection has been good for players that he's coached. And she's only 20, 26. I mean, I looked that up and I'm like, she's been around forever, won a master's title. Uh, you know, years ago as a teen. So she's somebody to consider as well. But yeah, the bottom of the draws is, is very interesting. And I think certain matchups are going to dictate this. Danielle Collins made the final last year, had some favorable matchups, beat Ego along the way. But the draw has not been kind to the defending finalists. And that would be an early round matchup for her. So I think, yeah, I think we got to let it shake out and see. Annie Samova was a name I'm, I'm glad you brought up because she beat Naomi Osaka last year. And as far as pure hitters go, She's somebody that can can ball strike with the best of them on tour. Well, she can, no question about it. And then she had that spell where she's working with Darren Cahill as well. She played well at the at Wimbledon. Um, I did one of her matches there where she beat Kavitova as well. So she's got the quality. And you know, you look at the draws, mm -hmm. and we're not even talking about two Australian Open champions meeting the first round. You got Kennan versus Vika, the only the two Australian Open champions in the draw, and they're playing yeah, in the yeah. first round. It's unbelievable. And then you got yeah. Muguruza and Mertens in the opening rounds as well. So there's a lot of entries. And there's one that I like from my point of view. There's an American by the name of McNally. I love watching. Mm -hmm. And I always feel like she should do better than she does mm -hmm. because she concentrates more on the doubles. And she and she's playing Bedosa in her opener as well. So looking through the draws and the sections, this has just got so many matchups and so many question marks. And usually without Serena in the draw, you know, you kind of think to yourself, okay, who's really the favorite? Yes, it's Frontek, but there's so many players you could see lifting this title. I mean, I put on Twitter, I think there's 12, and everybody came yeah. back on the reply, only 12? Who can <laughs> yeah, win this? Yeah. Probably go through the list, and you can probably name probably 25 or 30 you think yeah. can do it. Because look at us with Raducanu, who won that U.S. Open in 2021. You would never pick that. No, no. I mean, even Andrescu, a former major champion in this draw, trying to find form as well. A shout out to the Brazilian uh, Beatrice Haddad Maia. I think she's a, a contender as well if she can get going. I always say, Greg, with women's tennis, when people want to look at picking winners or maybe wagering on it responsibly, give it a couple rounds to see how. Yeah. And, it, and it, it's true for even the best players. Like you mentioned Muguruza and this Azarenka Kennan match. I want to see who gets into the third and fourth rounds and what the form looks like before I make my pick. Yeah, I, I would agree with you and completely. And especially, I always find the Australian Open always, you have usually different winners. You know, it's always somebody you're surprised who comes through and wins the event. You're not expecting, especially on the women's side, because there haven't been that dominant force the last little while in the women's game. It's not like 
my generation growing up where, you know, it was Chrissy and Martina, or then you had Serena, Sharapova, Venus, Henna and Kleisters. We haven't had that sort of thing. And then Barty, Shantak, the rival we were hoping for disappeared. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's so difficult to pick the w- women's winner and who's going to be there. And if I was in that sort of waging sort of thing, I would, I would look in the third round and gre- yeah. agree with you completely. Yeah, it also is worth pointing out again that this is such a unique sport in that we're going off-season, week or two, major. Like it's, And that might be part of the reason why there's been some parity on the women's side especially. Uh, one other p- person I just want to get your thoughts on, Coco Goff had the career year. She's you know, made her major final, has been doing well at year-end finals as well. What's it going to take for her to make that next step? I know everyone's going to look at the forehand and serve consistency, but to get to the top, the, the final step to go, major champion, what is it going to take from her this year? Second serve being there at big moments in the forehand. Mm-hmm. You know, the mindset, she's tough as nails. Mm. I mean, she speaks well. She's mentally strong because a lot of with those sort of fragilities, players would disappear. Mm-hmm. If those areas are as rock solid as they can be under the pressure moments, that means she can win a slam. She's good enough. This is a draw where she could actually go out and win the Australian Open. It's how she manages the expectations and how those two shots stand up and whether that's mental or whether it's technical. And the only person who can answer that question is Coco and her team around her. Mm -hmm. I watch her play and I think to myself, she's made the changes a few times. Stick with it. Get through those big moments on big matches two or three times and then she'll go on to win a major. And if she does that, she would be great for the women's game. We need we need someone like Coco Goth at the yeah. top winning slams because they would just bring even more fans to our sport. And she's losing to the absolute best. I mean, Garcia, U.S. Open, Ega, Friendship. Like, it's, it's you know, she's handling business. There's, I agree. I think it's great. I think she's on the cusp. And this is why we watch. And, you know, the stakes, too, for Ega. If she wins this major, that's four. We're, yeah. we're talking rarefied air already for someone that... Talk about having a handle. I mean, when the French comes around, that is her tournament for the foreseeable future until someone knocks her off the perch. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Wimbledon's going to be the hardest one for Iga to win out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is another statement. She wants to go down as one of the greats of the game. I think um, she's got great mental fortitude, but this is tough slam to win when you haven't won or gone too deep in it. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be intriguing. But for me, I would love to see Coco Goff go through. And also, Goff Raducanu could be in that second-round matchup as well, too. Yeah. So, you know, from a British perspective, we're all looking forward to that one if that one happens, as I know as the Americans will be looking forward to it as well because you've got a U.S. Open winner, yeah. something Coco doesn't have, which is a slam yet. Yeah. But Raducanu's on the comeback trail trying to get her mojo back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, Greg Rosetsky, this has been a blast. Really appreciate talking Australian Open with you here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Want to wrap it up with uh, just two quick things. One being, where, where do you stand on this old philosophical debate of whether a let court is lucky or not <laughs> between <laughs> Jensen Brooksby and Fabio Fognini? I don't know if you were up to date, but Jensen Brooksby actually did apologize last night in a match for a let court. So maybe he's come around on uh, the other side of the argument. 
you, you know what I would love is get rid of the let court in tennis completely. You know, just let it be. I was talking to the ATP supervisors at the end of the year, and they were telling me, look, if we standardize the nets across the board, if it hits the net, just let it be in play. It'll speed yeah. up play. Let's try it in the doubles game yeah. first. I'm like, just get on with it because, you know, you apologize politely, but I remember Martina Hingis, when she got a let court, she never apologized no. whatsoever because she said, I, I kind of meant it. And you can kind of understand that mentality, yeah. but there's also courteous and behaving properly in our sport as well. Yeah. The, the French open crowd in 99, they, they, they had a reaction to her not apologizing a couple of times too, but I think it's, it's great to be talking about this stuff. It's entertaining. Uh, Greg, last thing, un, unrelated to tennis, uh, I, did, I did some research on you. I want to ask your question. Where do you rank, I mean, comparing this, the, the U.S. Open final in 97 or your performance in 2008 in Dancing on the Ice? <laughs> U.S. Open finals, definitely, <laughs> no question about that. Dancing on ice, the only nice yeah. thing was uh, getting to be on the ice with Torval and Dean, our, our British Olympic champions yeah. in Sarajevo. So that was fun, but yeah. no question, it's U.S. <laughs> Open 1997. I figured, I figured, had to ask. Fifth place, though, pretty good. And I know you had the Canadian background, so the skating was was pretty solid, and you didn't you didn't embarrass yourself out there. So that's that's the best well, let's, part. Let's be honest, I did with that Lycra I was wearing, and uh, I used yeah. to play ice hockey, not figure skate. The, the problem is, is on ice hockey, you <laughs> yeah. go toe first. If yeah. you go toe first in, in figure skating, you go flat on your face. Uh, well, hey. You know, I, I don't think it happened too much. If it did, we'll just get rid of the tape. But uh, <laughs> Greg Rosetsky, always a pleasure. Always welcome on the show. Thanks so much for chatting with us here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Thank you very much for having me. Huge thanks to Greg Rosetsky for appearing on this week's episode of Tennis Channel Inside In to get us properly prepped and hyped for the year's first major, the Australian Open. Cannot wait for all that outstanding action in Melbourne and to see who will be hoisting the trophies in a couple weeks' time. And a friendly reminder that Tennis Channel Inside In is available on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. You can go to tennis.com slash podcast to find this as well as our outstanding catalog of other shows with some great Australian Open content coming up in the following weeks. We're on all your podcast platforms, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, so you can check us out, leave a rating, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Mitch Michaels. Thank you again to Greg Ruzetsky for appearing on this show. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to Tennis Channel Inside In. We will see you next week.